Enterprise may be back in Sid's hands, but she isn't quite ready to face the oncoming storm. Garuda's buffeting winds are powerful. To withstand her gale, one needs not just a worthy vessel, but a means to bypass her mighty etheric barriers. Once she's ready to pierce the Howling Eye, all that remains is facing Garuda, the most terrible of all primal. With her defeat, peace may finally begin to return to the round, or so we hope. I'm Nero. And I'm Jane. And this is Radio Free Heidler. Yes, welcome back once again to the beautiful realm of Eorzea, where we've got a bit of a, you know, hurricane watch going on, sort of a Category 4 situation over in Quarithus. Now stop me if you've heard this one before. We have to face a primal. However, in order to do that, we have to go on a tedious series of jumping through hoops to get our objective. That's, that would never happen. You... Nero, I'm surprised at you. I can't believe you would make such insinuations about our beautiful video game. You know, I think I thought the the um, the, the Company of Heroes stuff where they were making jokes about how tedious it was kind of works. Not not this time. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, when it's the when it's the third runaround, you can't you can't make jokes about the runaround when it's the third fucking runaround. I forgot I forgot about this bit entirely. So yeah, today we're covering the, the sort of Garuda section after the stuff in Coerthus, which is fairly meaty, all things considered. None of that meat is concentrated in the six quests leading up to the Howling Eye, however. It's meaty, but it's meaty in the way it's it's like getting it's like getting some chili from Wendy's. Yeah. Like, like it is meaty, but I wouldn't exactly call it high quality meat. And you are going to forget about all. You're going to forget all about this by tomorrow. Like, frankly, I sort of thought that we would be facing Garuda right after where we ended last time. Entirely not remembering any of this corrupt, corrupted crystal shit. So let's get into it here. You know, we, we, we're back from Quarthus. We have the Enterprise in hand. And, you know, Sid is like, well, it's nice to have her back. But if we're going to we're going to pierce the Howling Eye, we need to, like, fortify this so that it doesn't immediately explode upon contact. Yeah, it turns out that not only are we flying a blimp into a hurricane, which is already kind of a bad decision, but we're flying it into a magic hurricane that has, like, solid force fields of wind so uh in order to deal with that we need to use a corrupted crystal which is supposedly going to like warp the energy of this barrier by like converting it to the wrong element and garuda won't be able to control the element because it's not wind and then you can just fly right on in or at least that's the plan anyway i feel like this shit never comes up again by the way this corrupted crystal thing it doesn't really but s- but there are a lot of very similar plot yeah. points they do the same basic shtick a few times but also this is final fantasy and crystal MacGuffins are kind of just listen you should know what you're in for here we got crystals yeah oh and by the way of course the seed seers have allowed the enterprise to dock at gridania for however long it likes because of course they do yeah which is nice you know get getting in good with the acorn president 
probably not a bad decision. So I'll set an Alpha No work on the Enterprise. We'll probably mostly sit. I'm, I'm not really sure what Alpha No contributes to this whole effort. Just moral support, you know. He's 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 Lord. The, he's the cheerleader of the situation at the moment. Sid tells you about there a guy he knew out in Cam Drybone who was a, a big nerd about corrupted crystals, and he would just talk his ear off about it whenever he had the chance. Yes, uh, back when he was still uh, Marquez, and you go and find this guy. Who is named? He's he's got an unfortunate naming situation. This is Lambertaint. This is Lambertaint. And I'm sure it's like some shit like Lambertin or something. I don't care. He's it is Lambertaint to me. Yeah, like this 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 man is named Lambertaint, and I am I I, I feel a little bad for him. He's already a nerd. Mm. He's already he's already got it rough out here. But uh, you know we got we got to work with what we got, I suppose. Like uh, I'm not yeah so like the basic structure of this section is Lambertaint tells you about all these crystals he's very excited to tell you all about these crystals you, you get the feeling that it's, it's a it's a subject he's very passionate about and he never gets the opportunity to tell anyone about it because nobody gives a shit but I guess we should, so these corrupted crystals you're looking for are as a the result of the calamity as with so many other things it turns out when Bahamut exploded everything it completely fucked Eorzea's etheric balance. And so there are a lot of these gigantic, over-aspected crystal growths all around Eorzea. You can see a bunch of them in various places. Uh, you, go to, you go to a few locations with these huge corrupted crystals. Usually they glow orange, and they're, they're, they're kind of all over the place where Bahamut uh, wrecked some serious shit. Yeah, they're, they, they're these massive sort of spindly structures or huge like craters frozen in time like it looks like the the ground just sort of froze as it was being thrown up by a big explosion they look extremely cool especially the burning wall yeah the burning wall does look very very cool and incidentally that is our first stop because uh lambertaint here gives you a special little pot and he's like okay so I'm going to give you, so you're going to go to the burning wall and that's going to be where you're going to find the crystal you need. But here's a special little pot so that when you don't like get corrupted into a horrible, like mangled monstrosity when you're handling it, you know, just, uh, just try not to let that happen. So you go there, you meet, I, I didn't write down most of his apprentices. I only wrote down the one you interact with the most. You go to meet one of his students who none of them ever believe you at first when you say that you're there on crystal business because they just assume that everyone thinks they're stupid rock nerds yeah this this the first dude's name is hahasako by the way and he sends you over to the burning wall and tells you to watch out for mirror knights which are these really fucked up bipedal bird creatures who will just really make you have a bad time yeah luckily you can you can you can slip by them pretty easy it's mm -hmm. not a big deal i will note that uh like going deeper into the burning wall it it is like probably the nicest looking area in the ARR world maps like it's 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 kind of incredible how much detail they put into some of these areas that I don't think very many quests ever even go to. Like, I can't no, you know, think of more than a handful of things that you do in the Burning Wall. The only time you ever go back to the Burning Wall is, I think, in the Black Mage quest, because there's an Amalja hanging out in that tunnel uh, that yeah, but you, you may don't, have noticed. You don't even go past him, though, because I, really, no. I did a lot of the Black Mage quests, and I don't think you even go past that little cave. Like, the you have this huge area... And you basically never, it's like it's barely used. And you find this in a lot 
of the ARR zones, it's just these these sprawling areas with like really really detailed uh detailed things and it's just it's very sparsely populated and it makes me wonder like you know were these areas more populated in 1.0 maybe because i think a lot of these maps uh are largely similar um so i don't know that's weird yeah as the so the burning wall uh what i really like about it design wise is that it do, it looks like bahamut's uh what did he what did he cast mega flare uh, yeah it's mega flare it is it is mega flare frozen in time it's it's the burning trails just tearing through the earth but they have just completely stopped and so there are these huge arcing lines of crystal and the and the earth is just completely shattered and it's just a really cool looking area that yeah like you said nothing ever happens here nothing yeah nothing nothing happens here but somebody quite a few somebody's probably put a enormous amount of work and care into that kind of environment and you know i i kind of i kind of hope that some of these uh, some of these like really underused but cool areas get a little more love in the future i don't know if they will i feel like we sort of we sort of passed the opportunity a little bit with Endwalker because now we're moving off into other things, but hopefully they get revisited a little bit. Uh, the I only guess we'll see. the only area that ever gets much reuse is Costa del Sol. Really, you go back there a few times for well, listen, event, for likes, seasonal events, and everybody likes a stuff. beach vacation. But other than that, yeah, it's it's pretty spotty. So you you get your rock, and the guy goes, "Ah, great! You got a some wind aspected aether." Wait, you want to break a wind barrier? Why didn't you say so? You you can't use the same aspected aether to break an aetherial barrier. You need a different one. Yeah. Oops. Sorry about that. Go ask Mister Taint to send you off to another one of his students. So. Also, I like that he when you get back to Lambertain, he drops he name drops the students of Baldesian. Yeah. He's just he's like oh yeah those guys are cool. Those guys are pretty cool. You should uh, you should share this with them. Pretty neat. So he tells you to go out to Aleport whenever another one of his apprentices is trying to gain access to the Isles of Umbra and the lighthouse that lies there, Pharaoh Sirius. Uh, her name I did write down somewhere. It is Siana. Yeah, so Siana, she is like trying to study the gigantic spike of corrupted crystal that has impaled Pharaoh Sirius. Unfortunately, right now it is currently off limits. It is forbidden to travel there. Um, because the, it's haunted. Yes, the, the, the spirits of the dead. The dead walk Happy again. Halloween, everyone. This is secretly the Halloween episode, sort of, for this part only. <laughs> for, for exactly, like, three quests, it is the Halloween episode. Uh, there's even There's even skeletons. They're skeletons, there's lot, baby. There's a lot of skeletons. You, there's a you there's a whole a beach of full of them. So yeah, Siana needs to try to get to Pharaoh Sirius. Which, by the way, Pharaoh Sirius is one of the coolest looking buildings in Eorzea. It's this fucking ginormous lighthouse out near Aleport with a huge fucking uh, like thing sticking out of it from where presumably a Zeta flare hit it and froze in time. And it's just like. It's just an extremely cool looking location. Lighthouses always look cool. That's the Lighthouses thing Lighthouses always look cool, and they look cooler when they have big, like, Zeus bolt 
crystals sticking out of them. Uh, so, you know, jot that one, jot that one down, world designers, you know, put that one in your hat uh, for later. Uh, next time you design something, put a, so, put a corrupted layhouse in there. So you ask around and you, this is where you learn that everything is super fucking haunted and no one's supposed to go there, which... Yeah, which Tiana does not believe this, by the way. Well, she does believe she does she she doesn't believe it, but also she's very scared by it. She doesn't like ghosts, but no, she still needs she still needs to get there. But she thankfully she's got a lead. Apparently, some guy traveled to and from the aisle and 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 is in jail currently. So you head you head down there to see what's up and you kind of find him in a state yeah he's just kind of babbling to himself about like oh he's so sorry is just give 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 mimi doa this trinket thing it's a feather and he's like i must i I can still hear her i want to go back to her yada yada some weird shit going on and so you may ask well who the hell is mimi doa well mimi doa is a, a contractor who was hired by the Thalassocracy to to rebuild Pharaoh Sirius, but more importantly, he is an archetype that stops appearing after Stormblood, really, and that is local pervert. Yes. What's up with this guy? Yeah, so Mimidoa is just the local pervert. He apparently is uh, just goosing random women at the bar, uh, including Sienna. Um, uh, this what dude, the hell is going I, on with this fucking guy? I, I don't know. He's like a grizzled fucking salty dog who is a womanizer. And also, here's here's another like bit of this, by the way. If you play a girl character, uh, he he uh, he even has stuff to say to you. Actually, uh, when you go to the island later, uh, he gets like impatient and he sends after you. And uh, the one of the messages he says is like, uh, hey, you know, uh, make sure, quote, the sweet young lass with skin as soft as Phoenix down, mm. unquote, is like doing her job or whatever. Yeah, it does not say that for male characters. You know, between him and, and uh, Gigaruju, Lanasia has a high ratio of Lalafell pervos. Yeah, it's a little... It's a little weird. It's a. It's just a little weird. Very strange. Like I said, this this sort of thing eventually vanishes almost entirely, which strangely enough happens after the the main writing dudes are taken over by a woman. Who who could have guessed? But yeah, this little grab ass gnome. <laughs> is can get you on there to figure out what the fuck's going on because none of it all of his workers have either fled the island been placed in some kind of trance or disappeared into the lighthouse so nothing's getting done yeah so he's he's willing to send you out there to go check it out and and see what's up with uh with this whole deal here so uh you know you grab you grab Sienna and she's like oh fuck yeah that's great I, good luck on your Good luck on your trip. I'm not going. Good luck. I though. have a question. I have a question. What's your question? Why? Why do you bring her to the island? She leaves immediately. I I think it's very funny that you like force her to go along because she's like not interested in going to this island at all. And then like presumably you kind of like silently goad her into coming along with you, and she manages to make it so far as the first beach. 
she hears like the spooky area music and sees all the mist around and the little floating plasmoids and is like, hmm, actually, I'm just going to go wait in the boat. I'm just going to wait in the boat. Uh, it's this is close enough for me. I'll make my observations from here. Thanks. Yeah. So you head on, you, you get to the Isles of Umbra and you kind of, you kind of get her, you, you talk around to like the, the, the remaining workers and a few of the like adventurers who have gathered to scavenge the beach of, of shipwrecks because obviously with a with a missing lighthouse what has been happening is a lot of ships have been crashing on the rocks because there's no lighthouse yes and uh incidentally the lighthouse is actually it's being guarded by exactly one maelstrom guy named david but with a y so He's david like, oh, with watch out stuff afoot yeah yeah so david with a y is like listen I would love to let you into this tower. However, you're not level 50 yet, but I'll get you that crystal you need if you figure out what the hell is going on in that beach 30 feet behind me. So you go over to the beach, and you know, you, you eventually you and the pervert gnome man put it together. Uh, it's a siren. Uh, yes. You know, now, this is some lore that I forgot. Yeah, there's lore involved here that's, like, weird. There's Insane. weird lore. So, apparently, like, 30 years ago or whenever the fuck this extremely old man did was involved in this, sirens used to be a way bigger problem until the Maelstrom purged them all? Yeah, under the lead of fucking Captain Mistbeard, the fucking fear, the fearsome Mistbeard, the the pirate armada purged all the sirens and and saved the saved the ocean from people being brainwashed uh, after they die. I guess so. That's that's a that's a weird thing. It's very. It never comes up again. Sirens aren't important important really it's just a what is a siren like is it i guess it's just, like yeah it's there's like, this too isn't many a implications this isn't like a primal right like people aren't no. being enthralled the primal way they're just no, they're being just like regular enthralled, enthralled. The, the enthralled the normal siren right which does include apparently becoming a zombie thrall after you die uh, or a skeleton that's why, that's why yeah eventually a skeleton thrall because that's why the beach is littered with skeletons so yeah limsa lamensa wiped out all the sirens at some point except this one i guess it's uh it's a fact that is easy to forget because it hardly comes up but it's a why it's a wild one yeah so so mimidoa here you you and him i guess you kind of team up a little bit um uh really his contribution have you heard? Hey, hey! Have you heard of the Odyssey? I have heard of you, the Odyssey. What if you put what if you put wax in your ears? Yeah. What Just, if you What if you put wax in your ears? Maybe Maybe that'll make you. I think I think this entire soliloquy should have been muff uh, should have had muffled audio because God, it would have been so funny if they did that. But yeah, he he gives you some wax of stuff in your ears. That's his contribution to the the situation. Then you proceed to do probably. Sexual... Probably the least interesting solo duty this they have ever put so in the game. Fucking boring. Holy shit. Yeah, you so just fight skeleton after skeleton after skeleton for you, like three waves. They come in waves, they come in small waves, and the first two or three are basically identical. There's, by the way, huge gaps between them. Like 
huge. Like, it's like a full, like, 30, 45 seconds between them because she's, like, playing, like, a song. Like, she's singing or whatever, but she's not actually singing. It's just in, like, text bubbles above her head. It's, it's just, it's really drawn out. It's not, like, it's just fighting ads the whole time. You don't actually even fight the siren. You literally just kill... all of her thralls and because she doesn't have any thralls she's like oh well i guess i can't fight she you just, she Bye. just leaves she just fucking leaves I... she also just leaves. it's weird that this episode features a highly sexual bird woman that you fight in on two separate occasions yeah it's a little back to back isn't it like we get garuda and we get whoever the hell this is this is like the this is like the c-list garuda this is like this is like your understudy this is this is like if you're doing the stage play version of arr this is like you know your local theaters garuda you that david has gotten you the thing from the lighthouse uh, Ain't that bring great? It, bring it back to Scott. He's like, oh my god, it's great! What a beautiful example of a fire aspected crystal. Wait, you want to break a wind barrier, but you'll need a ice aspected crystal. Oh no! Oh man! Oh shucks! Isn't that isn't that just a shame? Luckily, oh, we have the perfect thing because apparently there is ever we know where an ice aspected corrupted crystal is, and it's perfectly like ready for use already it's already been treated and she won't tell you how yeah you know you'll learn eventually you'll learn eventually so you have to go to gradania to another dude who's just hanging out and his name name is hedden i think i I really don't know how you pronounce these i'm gonna go with hedden yeah because i gotta be heading out of this fucking (laughs) quest line so it turns out turns out that the ice aspected corrupted crystal was eaten by a spriggan the little, little little bunny fellas who what eat rocks. And this Spriggan's name is Giggity. Yeah, so so a particularly gluttonous little bunny named Giggity is out here fucking munching up all the ice crystals in the frickin' forest, and there's none left. But you find out that apparently corrupted crystals, you know, they don't digest well, uh, if at all. So all you have to do to uh to get your crystals is go um just sort of rip them out of uh this creature's lower intestine just just go just go do that real quick um it's fine lure out the beast and you kill it and you get the crystal and this this is the joke where it's like ah what a uh, what a what a beautiful like uh water aspect of crystal i'm just kidding that's the one you i wouldn't do that to you it's like it's like really you wouldn't you wouldn't do that to me I just, they did it to us a couple of times. Ah, uh, God. So it's, after you slap ugh. this man, uh, you can head back to Sid. Now, this is where things get interesting. Forget all that. We spent way too much time on that bullshit already. Forget cr- corrupted crystals. They don't exist. Sirens, we'll talk about it a little bit later. No, it's time to spend some time with the main character of A Realm Reborn. Yeah, you might think, oh, but wait, it, we've been spending time with like our own character this whole time. No, no, no. wrong. You are not the main character of ARR. You might be the main character of a lot of this game, but you are not the main character of AR. That is the privilege and exclusive right of one Mr. Sid Garland. Yeah, no, it's not you. It's not the Scions. It's not even Alphano. It's Sid. 
so you can't you kind of get here you bring back this crystal and, and you're getting ready to depart and you know sid's getting a little sentimental he's like ah oh, geez you've uh you've really you've really having the enterprise back make it feels like i'm complete again it, it feels like i i'm who i you know he's like maybe i'll never be entirely who i used to be but but this feels right to me i, I have you to thank for that yeah and then he uh he takes off his his goggles as uh as you begin to uh to take off from your little departure point here and uh and he starts to uh he starts to remember he and uh and you get a little uh echo piggyback off of his uh his little memories here which okay so i forgot that this entire flashback was voiced it is it's this is one of the uh the two like big voiced well i guess technically three big voiced cutscenes you actually get in the garuda quest line because this is one of the more important like pivotal moments in arr actually surprisingly and this whole sequence is honestly really well done, all things considered, but when I say that, I need you to understand there's a really big asterisk. Like, imagine an asterisk so big that you you can't see either side of it. That asterisk is labeled the English dub of A Realm Reborn. Yes. So here's the thing. I the 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 delivery in Japanese is really good. I feel like Sid gives a really emotional performance. You get this like very like because because this cutscene is about sort of the story of Sid Garland. Where'd he come from? You know, he grew up in like the heart of the Empire, the son of Midas non Garland, the like greatest machinist that has ever lived or whatever and you know he's the the prodigal son and he's like growing up in that shadow and his dad kind of abandons him a little bit especially to work on like meteor which is the project that would cause bahamut to destroy everything and gaius von Bailsar kind of stepped in as his father figure for most of that and he just had like a really convoluted childhood and it led him to you know, make a lot of decisions where eventually he was like, okay, this isn't right. I can't contribute to this anymore. I need to leave. And he founds Garland Ironworks with Biggs and Wedge and tries to sort of undo some of the damage that Garland has done, like try to bring some good into the world with technology other than, you know, instead of just constant mayhem. And all of that is really well delivered and I think that it's it's genuinely a really good emotional beat. Like you get a good feeling for how he like how that resonates with him and how like heavy this is for him to be remembering it again. But in 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 the English dub Mr. Grant George AR Sid just uh he uh well, you know, he's there. Yeah, and, and that's... Him being just there is the best way I can really describe it. It just... Like, Sam Regal also is Alphanaut. It, it, it's, it's just so flat and lifeless. And, that's, and that sounds mean. And that sounds mean. I'm sorry. But the performance, that's the best way I can describe it. The delivery and the performance lacks all depth. It's super one note. 
It does not have any real emotional cadence to it. You do not get a sense that the person saying these words to you is talking. You get the sense this person is reading a script. Like, it does not feel like a person is talking. And that is my, that is, and will continue to be my biggest criticism with this entire game is that for so much of it, you, like, it takes so long for everybody to, like, slot into their roles, um, and in, in English class, in, in English cast, it takes so long for everybody to actually slot into their roles and start to get, like, really confident in their delivery, um, and it never happened. It never, never comes together for ARR at all. Like I don't That's... think, I don't think there's many examples where the English voice cast feels like they are comfortable with the roles they're given in ARR. I mean, that's especially weird because unlike a lot of the the voice actors for ARR who who have kind of not a lot of credits or are like there, there's there's some something like screen actors or maybe they just aren't as uh experience in voice acting both grand george and sam regal are like pretty well established voice actors and i think ultimately what that indicates to me is that arr suffered from extremely poor uh direction yeah and i, I mean, think it was yeah i think it was definitely a direction problem i mean i can't really blame them for having these flat affects because consider how little these characters actually talk in in a realm reborn i mean the, the voice cutscenes will start picking up from here on out but like there aren't a lot of pieces of dialogue that are spoken and so as a voice actor you really don't have any time to give depth to any of these characters when you have like six lines for some less for some characters like yeah it's, it, uh, you just you don't have time to really get into your role i feel like and i i, I just feel like they they weren't given the preparation to really get comfortable with it. Like, I think that largely, with a couple of exceptions of, like, really bad performances, I think largely everyone is trying, but they are just not... They, the, a lot of people are out of their depth, or not out of their depth, but out of their comfort zone with, like, what they're comfortable with presenting as an actor, I think, because the affectation that ARR wants everyone to have this, like, sort of high fantasy, kind of, like, semi-old English style thing going on is, uh, is really difficult to pull off in a way that feels natural. And, uh, of course, it doesn't feel natural because nobody's, I don't, I don't think anyone was really given the time to get acquainted with that and, like, tease a performance out of the dialogue so instead we get these really flat deliveries and you don't and you don't see that same problem in japanese because you know bearing in mind that the japanese script is not written like that a lot of that affectation is a localization thing and that isn't necessarily a bad choice. I don't mind the affectation on the whole but it's important to note that when you add something like that in and you don't give people time to sort of get comfortable with it, you end up with performances like this where people are just really not sure how they're supposed to, like, be talking. Like, is am I supposed to be, like, really regal and, and like, posh? Like, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? I don't really know. And 
you see that especially in like Alpha No, where like Sam Regal doesn't really know if he's supposed to be like really posh or like playing like the kind of naive smart kid, so he kind of waffles between the two performances a lot. Yeah, and I mean with with the the Japanese voice actors, they don't have that much of a problem because the Japanese voice track doesn't really have that style adherence. Uh, it's mostly just straight anime style voice acting for the most part, and that's that's something that you know if you're if you're an anime voice actor, you can just go into that mode. Like you can get what archetypes these characters are kind of fit into, and you can and you can imbue the performance with with whatever emotion you need. But with the addition of this localization of, of the kind of very high fantasy language it was very difficult for the dub voice actors like you said to figure anything out they they eventually do the the, the switch over i mean it's a it's a few things right for one the characters themselves get much more defined after heaven's word and and two the the voiced cutscenes come much uh much more frequently after a realm reborn exactly so when you, you get the combination of people having more time to get accustomed to how their characters are supposed to sound and supposed to behave. And you also get more lines for them to get acclimated on. So the longer the game goes on, the more strong those performances tend to get. But early on here, especially with the AR voice actors, which a lot of them are replaced in the end, they just didn't get the prep time, I, I don't think, to, to really make anything out of this though i will say out of everybody in these cutscenes, gaius is trying yeah he's richard trying epcar, richard epcar i think is a fine voice actor he's he's also very experienced he's you know he's he's all over the place he, he can turn in a good performance under these conditions um as as well as one can so i want to talk a little bit about the this cutscene itself because it's also kind of interesting yeah for the most part, the Echo has been entirely, like, true, right? It, it has been a one-to-one viewing of a memory with, with no abstraction. But here, for whatever reason, it is a much less concrete sort of vision. Lots of blank white backdrops and kind of time skipping and, and Sid's narration over all of this. And then there's the okay, so Yeah, it gets the, it gets end, weird. It gets weird. At the end of this we, we see him flying the Enterprise with, with Biggs and Wedge. Presumably on one of its first flights, because it's uh they don't look very comfortable back there. It's either shortly after arriving in Eorzea, or they are literally flying to Eorzea in that cutscene. But a mote of light flies out of the sky and turns into you. Yeah, and then afterwards, it's like, oh, you're the one who gave me my goggles back all those years ago. And you just give him like a knowing smile and like hello what's what is happening what does that mean what is the significance of any of that i don't like, know like okay i need to be very clear to everybody who is not following us the spoiler zone i need you to understand this never ever happens again ever this never happens again this is not how explained. echoes work no it's never happened again it's never explained. It's never brought up again. Yeah, never brought up again. What is happening? It's 
so it's like it could it could only be one thing in my mind right like the because this is like such an abstracted sort of memory because Sid is kind of remembering everything as you go along. I can only assume that this is like some kind of poetic interpretation of you helping him like get better. But once again, the echo is never treated like this again. It's it's never non-literal ever again. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe we're forgetting like one instance or something in the far future, but I, I, I don't think I think the echo is always, almost always like this is what happened. It is a completely unaltered one-to-one memory, and it's often used as a tool for for exposition. And it is here, except this, it's it is this one time where things are weird yeah i'm there's a couple of really weird like powers in this segment this is one of them there's another one we'll get to in a moment but uh, but before we get there of course we have to go fight a bird so you arrive you you pierce through the etheric veil of that of the howling eye to face down garuda and but well actually before that so after after he comes out of this echo trance sort of thing, it's, it's like it's almost like a mind meld a little bit because you, you never get this narration with anyone else, right? So yeah. like maybe it's it's and he talks about like the third eye the Garleans yeah. have. So maybe it's like I don't remember really ever having the echo directly interact with a pure blooded Garlean ever after this yeah may, may, maybe maybe, maybe there's that's... some kind of weird shit going on with the, maybe that growth actually does like do something well you know lore wise we do know one thing that it does it makes you be able to shoot guns better that's not a that's joke true. that's legitimately how like a thing that's why they use guns is because they can shoot better with their third eye you know, he, after this, he is like he 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 is he is back. Sid Garland is back. He's he's full of confidence and he's ready to to save the realm that he loves. The the he he abandoned Garlemald after it became clear that you know he lost his father to Meteor, and in the end, Gaius was just another fallible man with an obsession of his own, and so he he just threw his hands up and, and said, I will, I, will, I will have no more to do with this. I will no longer serve an empire only interested in conquest. And so he fled to Eorzea. And he's like, I will, I will save the realm that I love. Yes, and and now he gets to put his money where his mouth is. Let's fly into a hurricane. Uh, so you 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 pierce on through, uh, and you get to uh, the center of the storm and land your little blimp here. Everyone runs up, and Garuda is just kind of floating there, and Garuda is horny, a little bit horny. Her her design's a little horny. But really, it's also the like the the way in which she is framed by the camera. Your f- basically first immediate introduction to her is an extended like upskirt, <laughs> kind it, of. Yeah, so like it's it's in- interesting, right? Because the siren was much more a regular old sexy lady. She was basically just a super hot babe with like feathers and talons stapled onto her. Garuda, n- listen, she's she's breasting boobily all over the place that's true it's it is it is very but true. like she's also kind of weird looking she's got a very 
bird-like visage. Her head is like triangular and her eyes are fucking huge. She's got claw arms and stuff. It's it's it's, a, it's it's honestly a really interesting character design. Yeah, I I I do I do actually really appreciate Garuda's design. I think that of the three primary primals here, I think that um that Garuda has the most interesting design. She's got like she's very greebled, let me tell you. She's got so many weird little like things going on like she has like weird feather bone knee pads and like all these like crazy wings going on like she she's got a whole deal so gruda is also the primal who gets to talk the most she's very talky um she is she loves you know you you might call her a bit of a blowhard uh, i made that i made that joke the other day and you're told me to save it for the podcast it's true. Now, now you all got to hear it as well. <laughs> uh, both Ifrit and Titan said like a couple of things to you, but Garuda is is really sort of the main focus here of these of these primals, and she is clearly like on her megalomaniacal bullshit. She is ready to just take over the world, destroy every city state, and to do that, the reason she is so powerful right now is because apparently the Ixel have kidnapped kobold and amalja prisoners and also stolen all of their crystals so garuda is super pumped she's super juiced and she is just ready to start destroying shit uh which you know we can't allow that can we so i think it's about time we officially head into the level 44 trial the howling eye Yes, and uh, the trial is more or less unchanged from how it used to be. If I think entirely unchanged, I don't think there's a single change to it, which is fine. I think this is like a pretty decent fight. It's got it's got some like mechanics to it, right? You've got your like four kind of rocky pillars in the middle, and she does like her little like feather things. You gotta kill them, otherwise they like explode in AOE. And she has a few phases and whatnot. It. It's it's not it's not a bad fight. I don't think that it is necessarily as instructive as a lot of the other fights have been, and I also don't think it is necessarily as interesting as something like the Titan fight. But but I can appreciate the Garuda fight. It is certainly not what it's not boring. It doesn't it's not daring, but it's not boring. It's just right in the middle. Uh yeah, she she I mean the the most important thing about this fight is the music. Uh, yet again the trials offer kind of a taste of the shit that soken and his sound team will get up to in the future because as as you enter the fight you know it's it's starting with a very you know it's got a it's got a pipe organ it's got some choral stuff rising in the back and it's like oh i know i know where this is going this is just a normal final fantasy boss theme and then the the drop hits you just you just hear now fall and the fucking guitars start chugging oh yeah no they they really went in on the like the the guitars and the like rock and roll with some of these uh with some of these tracks and i really like how how much they dip into that in final fantasy 14 like there there are a lot of musical like theming things going on 
Like, they explore a lot of genres, they explore a lot of musical flavors uh, throughout uh, the game and the different primals and stuff, and they're willing to really experiment and, like, try to develop kind of very individual, like, well, like, easily memorable Liet motifs for basically every, like, encounter and boss and, like, themed area and if, you know, it's not always hit, it does miss sometimes, but when it does hit, I, I think it's really good. And Garuda's is one of those that I think definitely hits. So you, you beat her. It's not that hard. You have to kill a lot of feathers. Oh, by the way, uh, so Garuda is actually, she says a lot in voice acting, because right after this is, is a fully voice acted cutscene. Uh, in Japanese, she is voiced by Rie Tanaka, who also voices Kane Sena, among other characters. Um, she has a great job of portraying Garuda's just sort of general unhinged, violent tendencies. Oh yeah, she's she sounds like like you know extremely like murder freak, and I love that. That's great. That's that's perfect. In English, she is voiced by uh, Kara Pifko, who seeming seemingly not a whole lot of credits. Um, looks like she's mo her most major role is Kelly Chambers from Mass Effect. Oh, that's interesting. I would not have actually picked up on that, but now that I'm now that you said that, honestly, I can kind of hear it. She also voiced like a bunch of uh, minor characters in the Clone Wars show. Yeah, uh, her her performance I think is also good. I think that the two standouts in in these cutscenes here are definitely Garuda and Gaius. I think that they're definitely trying really hard to work with what they got, and I think like uh her her performance of Garuda in English is like it it's it's more restrained and it's more like the register is a little deeper and it's also trying to be less like murdery but and instead more like pompous like more like you know puff up your chest kind of like i'm you know the girl boss here kind of thing and I don't hate that. I think that's a totally valid performance to give. I, pref I, I prefer it the other way. I think the unhinged performance is a little better. But uh, but overall, I think it's it's done pretty well. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I was looking on behind the voice actors, which were where I usually check for the Realm Reborn stuff because generally it's a little easier to find. But apparently Kara Pifko is actually much more active on television. She's in a lot of like procedurals and stuff. She's in like, uh, she has some parts in like Better Call Saul uh, and all that kind of thing. Like, so, so she's been around. She is, she is not necessarily a no name. She's like a, you know, working actor. I can respect that. Yeah, there you go. It's pretty cool. She was in Angela Anaconda, I guess. Oh my God. God, that's hilarious. Wait, who did she play on Angela Anaconda? Josephine Praline. Okay, I don't, I don't remember who. Thirty-three that is. episodes, so she must be a major character. Yeah, that's in, that. I don't remember. Listen, I haven't seen that show since I was like in like elementary school or something. Nobody should I, see that show. It's scary. <laughs> it is really scary. The paper cutout style is really scary. So yeah, you, you Garuda, you've beaten Garuda, but it, oh, she's not beaten yet. She just stands back up and says, "You fool! I cannot." be beaten when i have my shooters out here 
cheering me on. And she's got a bunch of Ixel pumping her with prayer. She's got all these crystals and she's within her own domain. She's basically invincible. Yeah, and Alphanod's like, oh, fuck, how do we defeat this? Wait, we just need to get rid of religion. Sid, quickly, to my side. Uh, and, and as he runs off to give his epic our atheism speech to the Ixel, um, Garuda's like, ah, oh, none of that. And just kind of sweeps him off somewhere. Oh, yeah, when you, well, while you were fighting Garuda, Alphano and Sid were ha- holding off all of these Ixil warriors, which make Okay, Sid is a very, like, talented engineer. He's, yeah, he's a got brilliant a engineer. He has literally a mallet, and that's it. He is not, like, he's a beefy guy, but I just, it's him and a 15-year-old who looks like he can't lift a five-pound rock. I, I like to think that what was going on was Sid was basically acting like a falconer who's dealing with, like, a falcon who's very upset, and he took his big oven mitt glove and just sort of let the Ixel start biting and gnawing on it for a while. He put bags over all their heads so they would calm down. (laughs) He he starts putting them in cups and tipping them upside down, and they're just just sitting in there. You need you need some big bags because those Ixel have some pretty big horns. Uh, that's that's true. You need special special bags. But yeah. So so she blasts those two away and she turns. to was like ah, but now I will I will I will you will be at the vanguard of my conquest of yours. Yeah, I will I'll destroy all of the city states, all those sea lice and and forest gnats and all of this stuff. She's she's getting pumped up to to go uh kill so many people and she goes to temper you. Yeah, she uses her big fancy purple tornado or extra special one and it doesn't do anything and she's like, "Oh shit, this is bad." Uh and then this you, and then you do some weird some shit again. There there's weird shit going on in this quest. So first you use some fucking like mind meld powers on Sid and now Heidelin's letting you just like just reach into guys and steal crystals out of them. Yeah, it, it like rebounds on her. I this ne- this never happens again with any other primal and anything else. This is not I mean obviously they were still kind of hammering out a lot of stuff at this stage in Realm Reborn like what does the blessing of light do? What does the echo do? What are its abilities? What are its limits? Uh I mean I guess maybe one reason is other, you know, story reasons we can't talk about yet that this never happens again, but like it is weird. You just yank the crystal out of her, um, and she's all weakened and stuff. Yeah, and then you you get the fancy crystal, and you have your little cutscene where you slot it into your Legend of Zelda Ocarina Time Spirit Realm thing, and congratulations, yeah, you got all it. six crystals. And so then, it's like, ah, we did it. Garuda is done for. Uh, but then, who is it? Oh, by God, that's Gaius Van Balesar's music. It's Gaius Van Balesar with the steel chair. And he, I love this. He is just there. And he, and he talks, you're like, oh, I heard you were like the biggest, baddest motherfucker around. And you're just done? Is that it? Is that all you've got? <laughs> Literally, he's just like, is that all? Like, hey. Hey bitch, I heard you were you were the you were the baddest bitch in town, and you're telling me you're this weak sauce nonsense? Get out of here. And she <laughs> she does not take that line that she's like no. she's like on oh, no. you listen, you wanna you wanna see bad. I'll sh- I'll show you bad. So this is 
when she does the thing. Now, uh, one other thing before we talk about this, I forgot to mention. She wants to be the one true god. She mentions that. It's like, everyone will worship me as as the only deity that matters, which is crazy. I don't... There are... Like, every primal is kind of different in how they uh, treat tempering and stuff. But I think Garuda is kind of the only one that is directly like, I want to be god capital G. Yeah, she's got a real Elish Norn vibe going on, frankly. She's really into the whole, like, everyone must bow down to me. Uh, Every... Every every race, every creed, you must bow down to me and me alone. Every every other god will feed my strength, and uh, to that end, yeah, we she learn has, why the other guys are here. Yeah, so the other guys are here because her plan is to kill them with a tornado, but slowly, so that as they're dying, they will call out to their gods, and their fucking screams of agony and prayers will form together uh, along with their like you know soul ether and get these like really weak versions of uh ifrit and titan spawned which okay i have to point this out i I have i have to say this we've been we've talked about the voice acting for like a full hour i know i have to bring this up the amalja in english are insane what do literally, they sound like I've forgotten. Literally, I can't remember exactly what they say, but it is like it is like, oh Lord Efreet, help us, we are in pain. What? Yeah, I swear to God, that is like almost exactly how it sounds. What do the kobolds sound like in era? Because I remember like later when they get re recast, they're like funny little cockney boys. They're I, I don't think they're really cockney here at all. They just were have a sort of like like screech high register going on like a little That's like snivelly lame. goblin thing yeah so yeah they they summon a freedom titan um and i, I love alpha like oh, he's like this wasn't supposed to happen uh yeah and then sid's like dude we gotta bail we let's gotta get out leave. of here scoob yeah all three of you fucking book it as Gaius pulls the fucking JoJo's trick of ah, but I wanted you to summon all three primals because then he fucking points to the sky and something drops from above. Yeah, so when I said it's Gaius von Balesar with the steel chair, what I should have said is it's Gaius von Balesar with his steel fursona. The Ultima weapon is finally fully unveiled. We should talk a a little bit. (laughs) about his its design so it's a little sexual nero Tilskeva found this the plans for this in in some allegan ruins and he said i know exactly how to rebuild this it shall be an extremely muscular jet black super buff super sinewy muscle tar yes with a b- enormous gl- bright red glowing cod piece like <laughs> like a solid third of the like front of this guy is a big red glowing cod piece it's it's not like Okay, it's not like it's a horny design in the way that Garuda is a horny design. There's just something about it. It's 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 very like it's sensual. It's it's listen, this is as far as I'm concerned, this is Gaius von Balesar's personal commission to Nero Tolskava to give him his persona as a mech. This is this this is how I feel this went. 
Sire, my lord, I, I have almost completed the schematics. Would you like to overlook them? Make the bulge bigger. <laughs> For what purpose? Just do it. That's happening. Listen, listen, every, every furry artist knows how that shit goes. So immediately the ultimate weapon drops down and puts Ifrit in a fucking headlock. Yeah, like, and this and this shit is actually really like kind of cool. Like this scene's kind of awesome. It's like it, it's it's all custom. Um, like they really put a lot of effort into this to make this like the ultimate weapon like intimidating and badass. Because like you get Ifrit gets his whole head like grabbed in a claw and he gets like yanked and his head gets twisted off and like his neck snaps and he gets evaporated into red goo and then the fucking ultimate weapon flexes and gets all red everywhere and then titan comes after him and he gives them he like grabs his fist and yanks him in the air and then does like a like a kalima like fucking indiana jones two shit and like grabs his heart out of his chest and when it absorbs a primal's essence i want the muscles to like bulge and pulse <laughs> literally okay. all right you're the boss <laughs> and and then and then garuda's like oh shit this ain't good this ain't good she at gets, all chief. she gets it the worst she gets her head bitten off yeah, she tries to escape, and the ultimate weapon jumps up, like, it's, 60 it's, feet in the air and snatches her like a fly with chopsticks. It and has he, an air grab. Yeah, watch out for this guy's anti-air. It's crazy. And I love I love Gaius going, like, yeah, the Alligans had ways of dealing with your kind, so... I think I think this is pretty wrapped up as the ultimate weapon just chomps down on Garuda's head and grows wings. Sire, why Sire, why do you want to why do you want to uh, add a capability for it to eat people? You're asking too many questions, Tolskava. <laughs> just do what I ask. So with his his hyper-powered muscle tar now eating, having eaten three primals. Gaius von Bailsar looks up to the Enterprise and, and declares like, yeah, this is, hey, hey, idiots up there in the fucking airship. Uh, yeah, tell all your fucking presidents to surrender because I have this thing and I will use it. Yeah, and then he flies off in the goofiest way possible because eating Garuda gave his persona like teeny tiny wings and he just sort of flaps off into the distance it's very very funny so yeah and you know we they, they kind of have a discussion on the way back Sid and Alpha and do of like talking about how quiet Gaius has been since the calamity and this must be the reason why because he was busy commissioning his his persona to crush Eorzea under its clawed it's just huge clawed feet massive clawed feet yes because because it is like hey how the fuck has nobody noticed this is going on the, the amount of effort it would take to build this goddamn thing is enormous how has absolutely nobody cottoned onto this before it was done and alpha is just like bro i don't even know i don't even live here i just i just showed up like eight months ago what do you want from I me I showed up to figure out why my grandpa died for this stupid fucking country. <laughs> Haven't figured it out yet. Um, yeah, still working on that one. But yeah, like that, now the ultimate weapon is in play officially, and it's everyone's problem now. Oh yeah, but at least on the bright side, 
the primals are dealt with, so now we only have yeah. one giant problem to think about. Yeah, I mean, you know, glass half empty, glass half full. Also, I want to note, uh, after you get back to the, you know, Gridania, Alphno makes it, it's like, he's like, all right, it's time to bring the Scions back. We're getting the band back together to save the realm. But also, he said... After that, when you turn in this quest, he, he he says like, you know, it's a shame that the ultimate weapon is in uh, is in the hands of the Garlean Empire because I mean, I think you could do some real good with a weapon like that. And I gotta say, Alphano, my boy, no. Ooh, ooh, Alphano, you're you in some you're some dangerous water here. You can't listen. Nothing why good doesn't has... the Re- why doesn't the Rebel Alliance simply build their own Death Star? listen listen alphano i get it i get it dude you're you're dangerously close to some ideology right now Ooh, the 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 radiation you're you're getting like like 26 millisieverts of ideology per second both had ultima weapons then there would be a kind of deterrence god someone uh... needs to Slap him upside the head to get all that out of there because the, yeah you you don't want to he's he's getting too into the neoliberalism get him out of there yeah it's it would be a real shame if somebody didn't snap him out of it and like a bunch of uh, war crimes happened dear God Alphana that's not honey that's, <laughs> that's mutual that's that's fucking late Cold War politics you're eating <laughs> God so. Uh. But that's where we leave it, with the Ultima weapon having been revealed, uh, Garuda has fallen, but not in the manner we would like. Yeah, no, Garuda's Garuda's gone, but her powers are imbued in uh, a big muscle tar, and that's everyone's problem, but we'll have to solve that next week, or well, two weeks from now, actually. In in the meantime, though, we do have some things we want to talk about uh, uh, about all of these these fancy these these fancy Sid escapades. But I'll be after the break in the spoiler zone. Yes, of course. If you're you know you you know the deal by now, you don't want to get spoiled. Don't listen. That's we'll true. We'll see you next time. But if if you are if you are caught up, we'll see you there. See you on the other side. So, Gar- Gar- Garland Industries, Garland Manufactory, the Garlands, the Garland Exchange. They build it a lot really of shit. Is amaz- it really is amazing how after, after you know, he's, he, he got so much focus in A Realm Reborn. And he had this great emotional moment. And after that, in the MSQ, he's basically just the guy who shows up to build you a boat from time to time. Yeah, I mean, he, he like, he gets his story arc. Like, literally, he is the yeah. main character of ARR. And, like, obviously, there's a ton more stuff with Sid in Alexander and Omega and other stuff like that. Like, he, he doesn't disappear. It's just that his story kind of gets shuffled off to the side a little bit, and he just he, he's just the guy who shows up from time to time. Um, So you wanted, you kind of wanted to talk about all of the 
the various things he makes, right? Yeah, while we're here, we might as well get into it a little bit. And the thing is, Sid, uh, Sid and the Garland Ironworks, uh, Biggs and Wedge and everybody, they get up to building a lot of shit. So obviously they made the Enterprise... But there's quite a lot of contributions they make to the Eorzean Alliance and the world on the whole. Like, we've got multiple blimps. Uh, we have the world's first starship. We have uh, special... Well, okay, hang on. That was, to be fair, they held that. That was a collaborative effort. That was mostly Charlayan and the Loperate. That's true. But hey, they did make the engines go fast. They did figure out the end. And that is arguably the most important part of the starship. It is. They built the mana cutters, which are very cool looking, and I like them a lot. Yeah, those guys they are awesome. Don't really come up much, but they're they're very cool. Yeah, no, they're, they're in the Heavensward awesome. trailer. They're in the Heavensward trailer, and hey, you get to you get one. You can ride that around as your fucking mount if you want, and it is really, really goofy when it's like on the ground, but when you're flying around in that thing, it's kinda awesome. They created the Bonanza, Tataru's personal shuttlecraft. Yeah, Tataru. So, so, and this is this is this is awesome. Tataru gets her own fucking blimp. She deserves it. Let's be real. It's so funny. She gets her own blimp. Wedge made a coffee maker. Wedge did make a coffee maker. Uh, this was explicitly to impress Tataru, which uh, she actually really appreciates that gift. I believe. Like, I'm pretty sure she's oh, super obviously. into like having a coffee maker. For sure. Do they do anything else? Well, like, you know, obviously they they they're they're very involved in basically any Magitech that you find on Eorzea was is probably able to be traced back to them in some way or another. Well, in Error, they like take that the, um that Magitech armor, or the armor, uh, and they yeah. they refit that, and I think they even give it a name, but I don't remember what it is. Yeah, I we'll get to it later. Um, it, it, well, I, oh, the other big thing, the the craziest thing, yeah, that they ever figured out. I for I almost somehow I almost forgot about this. Oh yeah, I was gonna bring it up in a second. They learned how to traverse the rift. Yes. So my oh god, my favorite dungeon in the whole game. By it's not even a competition, really. My my second favorite is Doma Castle. But my first favorite is and will always be uh, the fucking twinning. Uh, the twinning is amazing. Like, obviously, the music is amazing. But the thing about the twinning that is the best is that it is the story of what actually, like, it's it's the story of what the Ironworks did, you know, like, Biggs and Wedge, like, the 15th, like, this generational, like, enterprise, the legacy of Sid Garland in, like, going into the future as the world, like, collapsed in on itself, and, like, there was, like, this huge apocalypse that wiped out, like, 90% of all living beings, and they, like, poured their every resource into trying to figure out how Omega worked, and how Alexander worked, and how the Crystal Tower worked, and they figured out all three of those things, and they did it so good that they built Tycoon, which is literally a, like, synthetic, it is a synthetic Alexander Prime plus Omega's, like, internal rift navigating capabilities. So, like, they built a primal that can control time and space on a fucking whim and put it in Grahatia's basement. And it's the most badass shit in the entire goddamn universe. Yeah, but between 
Sid and, and Nero Tolskeva, they are able to accomplish basically anything so long as they aren't doing uh, their gay little bickering. Yeah, they're 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 quite divorced. Uh, they're happily divorced, uh, but boy howdy, do they like to get into it sometimes. I think it's really, 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 really funny that Nero just works for them now. Like he's just a he's just an employee now. Yeah, he's just he's literally just works. He is the worst employee ever. He like specifically like steals extra wages and like wastes company time and just what? is a huge nuisance to everything we stand a a fucking time thief all right that's 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 the good shit <laughs> boss makes a dollar i make a dime i make evil schemes on company time so yeah the the ironworks are all all over the place in in uh this game even if they aren't necessarily like the main focus all the time and they rarely are but you'll you can always count on sid and biggs and wedge to show up and you know it's the boys you're hanging you're hanging with the boys yeah and i do i love when they show up honestly like i really like the boys i think that they're just like they're really entertaining i think it's really funny the whole little plot thread you have with like wedge having like a huge crush on crush on tataru like that's cute uh, i will say by the way uh in the twinning it's not they didn't just build tycoon uh they also built um a bunch of other random shit including so that coffee machine um <laughs> is uh the the thermocoil uh boil master right um well that went through a few iterations in fact it went through a lot of iterations and eventually at some point we get the thermocoil boil buster which is a which is a fucking like defense and attack robot that like tries to light you on fire and has little propellers and shit and that's that is the sentient coffee maker buddy we we weaponized our coffee makers in the future and i know there's also said stuff in boja but i never did boja so i can't there's speak to any of that. there is a significant amount of said stuff in bosia like there is literally the entire thing is based around it because the thing is uh bosia citadel was destroyed by midas non-garland right that's where meteor was actually happening um and he was trying to pull the uh the solar energy out of dolomud because that's like what dolomud was built for to uh, be like a big solar collector basically and then like focus that energy like through bahamut and then beam it back to the planet and he was trying to do that and then eventually he gets corrupted by an Asian, and he um, sabotages his own machine, basically, and forces uh, Dalamud to crash into the Earth. And um, it completely fucking obliterates Bazi Citadel. The whole thing is just exploded into a billion pieces. And a lot of that story is really heavily entwined with, like, Sid's memories and trying to, like, reconcile his whole deal with his dad and that kind of thing and i didn't quite finish uh that storyline yet i will well we both will of course in 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 the future here because we're doing basically all the story content in the game but mm -hmm. uh but yeah there's quite there's quite a bit of sid content in there so there's one more thing i wanted to talk about in this spoiler zone here and that's to do with the last the latest thing that the ironworks have kind of assisted with and that is of course starship ragnarok from the end of Endwalker. So it's interesting, here we have the Ultima Weapon, a creation of ancient Alag, re resurrected by Garlemald, with the express purpose of capturing and containing the essences of primals, in order to, you know, 
do all its crazy evil bullshit. The Ragnarok is also powered by primals, but in a, in in basically the most opposite way you could get, because in order to launch the ship, the insane distance needed to reach Ultima Thule, uh, you need a lot of ether. And so what happens is the Myriad tribes freely, it, it's basically a free cultural exchange that shoots you into the void of space, right? Like it is not the, the Asian manipulated, like corrupted visions of these gods. It, it is the purest form of their gods that, that, that goes into the Ragnarok and, and shoots you forward, which I think is, is very interesting. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really good moment. I think like it's that bit of a Vendwalker, like that scene I think is sort of like the ultimate refutation of a lot of what is kind of established in ARR. And I, I think ARR broadly having, you know, going through it right now, I think that it definitely tries to lay a foundation that the myriad tribes are like misguided and misunderstood by a lot of the other peoples of Eorzea and they are like actively being manipulated and stuff like that but it doesn't really go far enough to make that particularly clear or convincing and it ends up like villainizing and demonizing these people a lot more than they really deserve because you need a you kind of need a villain for certain parts of this, and they don't really adequately, I think, you know, reconcile that for most of the game's existence. Um, but then you get this sort of final reconciliation, and I think it goes really well, because they, like, being able to have a moment where you're like, hey, you know, all these people and their myriad religions and whatnot are not, like, savages who want to control everything and hurt people. Like, this is this is the real expression of their culture and their religion, and you get this scene where uh, all these different primals that you fought at various points all kind of assist you uh, and your friends in getting to uh, into, into the stars, and there's this extended dialogue uh, between Garuda, actually, and... Um, Susano. Uh, Su- uh, Susano and and I, I think it's a really I think it's a really fun exchange because you know Garuda is still Garuda right like she's indignant about the idea of like putting you know land walkers into the sky or whatever but you know Susano's like hey listen you know you're you this this is a great chance to like just kind of kind of show everybody what you got, you know, like your, your, your mighty winds don't only exist to buffet and batter, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, he's just having a fun time with it and manages to kind of like get her to go, oh, fine. If they want to go to space, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be the one who gets them there because I'm the coolest and best one. And it's just, it's just a cool scene. I like the characterization they give, like, the primals here. And it, it's such a far cry from like where we start to like where we get to with this kind of thing it's like an interesting bookend yeah like it's never perfect and it never truly makes up for some of the shit early on i mean they at least know better than to ever give another vanivano another speaking line for the most part yeah they really they uh fucked that, they, they fucked that one up quite badly yeah they did that one real Ooh, that one was rough buddy but it's like it's kind it 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 is a it is a, it is lots of steps in the right direction and hopefully even you know 
Endwalker is all about that kind of stuff. And Endwalk- you know, a lot of the role quests, especially the 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 Limson one, is about continuing reparations and reconciliation and all that. But I was also just reminded of one of the funniest cutscenes of all time, which does not uh, not not entirely respectful, but just apropos of nothing. I just remember the time Merlwib shot that guy trying to summon Leviathan. Oh my god! And then he came back from the dead and she shot him again. <laughs> Literally, she would have kept doing it until she ran out of bullets, and then probably asked the guy next to her for more bullets. There's more reasons why she's the best president. <laughs> Literally, she is the best president. Do not at me. Uh, but yeah, like Ragnarok being the the kind of ultimate refutation of the 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 kind of philosophy behind the ultimate weapon, right? Like where the ult- there where Alag only wanted to dominate and control these icons and their worshippers. The Ragnarok is a result of collaboration between everyone basically that you've met over the course of the game and that includes the myriad tribes who who share with you the the truest essence of their beliefs yeah and and it's kind of beautiful like i think that's it's a really poignant way to kind of close out on uh on both the uh the the story of the era tribes and i think also our uh, our little episode here on garuda Yes, the, the Lady of the Vortex has been defeated and won't show up for quite some time more, but we'll always remember her weird bird tips. That's true. We will. Uh, next time, we're rescuing prisoners, I think. I think yeah, that's what we're, we're, we're doing. Getting, we're getting the band back together. Yeah, we get to we get to see we get to see our boy Thancred all dressed up in in black and emo. He's he's like he is he has been taken by the the local goth brigade and we got to save him and then after that it's the end of uh 2.0 yeah that's right so, we're, we're getting close to operation archon here that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty exciting uh i i'm really looking forward to seeing how they've uh they've changed all that content i've been i've been avoiding it i want to see it fresh i could not i had to do like i said i had to do tombstone grinding i needed needed to do it but uh you will there will at least be one fresh uh perspective on the podcast so that's fine listen i was i was strong i resisted the moogle tombstones i have very poor impulse control what can I say? <laughs> but yes until then of course i have been one of your hosts nero i've been the other host jane and we will see you around the fields of eorzea adventurers